In my system of restoring immunity with gymotherapy, there are two extracts that I look to to support the skeletal system. Today, we'll be talking about mountain pine, which is particularly for adults. And in another episode, we discussed silver fur, which is for children. So you'll want to be sure to listen to that one as well. I'm Lauren Hublet. I'm a health educator and a gymotherapy expert. And I'm here with my co-host, um, Terry Brooks, herbalist. Welcome, Terry. Hi, everyone. Lauren and Megan, pleased to see you today. Um, I'm in central Minnesota, and we are just getting our first very warm days that you have had for a long time in Texas. Yes. So it's, it's all fun. Thanks, Terry. And acupuncturist Megan Limp. Welcome, Megan. Hi, Lauren and Terry, and everybody joining us from home. My name is Megan Limp. And I practice Japanese acupuncture and bodywork and gemotherapy. And I'm glad to be with you today. Wonderful. So, Terry, we're talking about another conifer here, mountain pine. What can you tell us as about mountain pine as a tree? You know, I was not certain what the species, genus species was. I knew it was pinus. It's in the Panaceae family again. Um, and I just assumed it was Pinus Montana because that's what mountain yeah. usually is. But I went to look at my, I went to look at my Gemmo bottle and that's what it said. But when I look it up elsewhere, it has many different names. So, um, you know, botanists and those that are looking at the DNA of plants are always changing the names of them just when you get them down. So Pinus Montana, uh, a synonym is Pinus uncinata. And I think that's interesting because uncinata means hooked point. And that is a pronounced prickle on the edge of each um, of the what am I, scales of the cone. And I've seen, I've seen similar ones where it's, it hurts if you touch it. It's really prickly. It also is considered a subspecies of mugo pine. So if we're looking at all of these as being the same, they're not really much the same. Um, but the mountain pine that we're talking about that grows in Europe is generally a two-needled evergreen. It is native to Europe's highest mountains. Its mature height is 40 to 65 feet, and it grows with a straight, erect trunk. But if we're referring to the mugo pine subspecies, that's quite a bit shorter. Uh, in stature and more scrubby looking, which is interesting because this is a tree of arid lands. It, it is very wind and drought resistant, has low nutrient requirements from the soil, and it often grows in areas of, a word I did not know, scree, which means small loose stones that cover a mountainside or a rocky slope. So it is un demanding to this as far as soil moisture and fertility. In fact, even irregular soil moisture and fertility is just fine with this tree. So it's very accommodating in that regard. As a result, it has been planted to stabilize rocky stony hills, to reforest poor soils and regenerate degraded land. Um, it is known to particularly grow in avalanche areas stabilizing any erosion that might be there, um, especially in the Pyrenees and the Alps areas. 
The seed cones are bright purplish, not the kind of purple that you would see, the gaudy purple, but a purple red. And um, they mature to a kind of a shiny brown. The scales on this are very stiff and inflexible, unlike some pine trees. And like I said, it has that pronounced hook at the end of each. The French would call it pain à crochet, like a crochet hook. Wonderful. So what kind of historical uses did you come across when you looked at mountain pine? Well, you know, um, to look at specifically mountain pine, I didn't find a lot. Even though this, this tree is very important in the mountainous areas, it also has been very much endangered in a lot of ways because of um, burning areas off in order to prevent forest fires and so on. So there are some areas where it is considered quite endangered. It doesn't appear, this specific pine tree doesn't appear to have a lot, but pine as a rule, the species, um, there, there's plenty to be found about that. As in the silver fir and many others in the Panaceae family, there's resin in this plant that's used for lacquer, varnish, the rosin for my cello, for example, that hard pitch that's been stabilized. Um, those are all uses that come from this tree. The buds and needles of this tree have often been used to make syrups and liqueurs and various beverages. It has been used to alleviate many respiratory conditions internally, also externally or topically, and as an inhalant. If you can imagine um, boiling pine needles and pine cones to create that very resinous steam that would help your respiration. It's also been used for rheumatic and arthritic conditions, joint um, pain, for example, and that would be topically or sometimes internally, but most often topically. The oil from the resin was also used in bladder and kidney complaints. In Greek mythology, this was interesting, in Greek mythology, and I've seen this before, the pine is also often um, the finial on the end of a staff or a wand. So at the very top, you'll see it like a little pine cone. And that signified royalty, but also fertility. So in Greek mythology, Dionysus often carried a pine cone top staff, or his followers did also, and that was a symbol of fertility. In fact, recent research has shown that the pollen from certain pine trees is um, seen as a male hormonal remedy, increasing the testosterone level. In the plant itself, is there anything significant as far as medicinal uses? Well, I've done a video with my grandson on pine needles. They are very full of vitamin C and they also have some carotene in them. So it was used as a sustenance food, but also just to prevent scurvy and so on. So we know there's that. Um, beverages that were made from them were used to support immunity. I suspect some of that came from the vitamin C um, Dr. Edward Bach used it as a flower essence, and his role in this was to say, for those who blame themselves, even when they've been successful, they still feel they could have done better, and they're never content with their efforts. So I think there may be some role for a nervous system remedy there, um, discontent or despondent reactions to things might be symptoms of the nervous system or emotional manifestation that would line up with the GEMO use. 
but I particularly like the fact that this tree is considered hard and elastic. Those words came up every, I mean, when they referred to how it is used, they would say, oh, it's not much, you can burn it, it's good firewood, it's not much used for any other wood projects, except for maybe small things like musical instruments and um, some small kind of woodworking, but it's hard and elastic. And that may be why they're not using it for bigger projects, because it's, it's so hard. Mm -hmm. But I think that might have something to do with how it's used, you know, gemotherapy, and the fact that this tree is able to get what it needs from even the poorest soil. I think that's pretty interesting. We use it in gemotherapy as a tonic for the bones and remineralizing and strengthening them. So there's something there, I think. Sure. Sure. You know, that's interesting when you talked about it as a tree and not being particular about where it grows. And it, there is some other trees that we've talked about that come up like that, not, that also work with the same age group. And common birch is one that comes up for me um, in that, um, you know, it, it has that regenerative properties, but it's not so particular about um, the type of soil that it grows in. And and I think we may have a lot more uses for mountain pine than we realize. It sounds like we're just um, beginning to see its potential. Sure. I love mountain pine for anyone that is a mature adult and aging, um, particularly when they have bone and joint problems um, related to the aging or perhaps injuries, or they have acute bone injuries. Um, the, the primary action though is as a tonic for the bones it and what's interesting is it activates these osteoblasts which are excellent at gobbling up you know pathogens and so we do see some interesting um immune action there so you know it's not something we've considered a lot using mountain pine as an immune support for adults, but I can certainly imagine that, much like we look to silver fir as also immune support for children. This extract activates the metabolism of calcium and phosphorus, very much like silver fir does for children, making it useful for bone remineralization. And the tonifying effects of mountain pine lead to resolving this inflammation. And although we haven't seen that it works directly with the nervous system, what I've had reported by clients is a calming effect that they get from taking the mountain pine. Now, is that calming effect coming from the reduction of inflammation and the lack of pain, or is it related somehow to the nervous system? That's something certainly um, we could explore. So at this time, we don't have any experience microdosing it, but we certainly use it acutely. Um, it could be with, combined with silver fur, in fact, to heal bone fractures in adults. So chronic uses could include all bone, bone and joint pain um, for osteoporosis, um, paired with either blackberry or giant redwood or lingonberry or even wild grapevine for arthritis and rheumatism, and for arthritis of the hip or arthritis of the knee, depend, 
depending on those, they would be um, matched well with ash, another tree we talk about that's not so particular about its soil. So um, I do want to um, give what, um, I want to just review these chronic uses. So all bone and joint pain, osteoporosis, arthritis and rheumatism, and arthritis associated with the hip or the knee are all good uses for mountain pine. And, and one word of caution though, as with all conifers, we should not take this in the late afternoon or evening um, because it can influence sleep. It is has a stimulating action to it. So it's best taken up through midday. And if you're taking it midday and you find your sleep disrupted, you might still back it up even further. But I think it has incredible potential for adults. And Megan, I'm really looking forward to what you might share. It offers through the Asian medicine lens. Yeah, thanks, Lauren. Just like silver fir, mountain pine supports the set of functions that in Asian medicine we call kidney, which is more than just the physical organ. And one of kidney's functions is to support our transitions through the stages of life. And I think that this really addresses what both of you were talking about, that I think that there's so much potential as we transition through life for mountain pine to maybe be used in more situations than we realize right now. Kidney oversees our growth and development through childhood, and that really speaks to silver fir, which is another extract that we already talked about. But childhood, kidney supports our later transitions through adulthood, through menopause, and then on in life through the age. And as we age, kidney cheese starts to decline. So kidney controls our ability to grow and our ability to reproduce and supports us through menopause. And then as we age, we start to see the kidney energy decline in the mind and body. And these adult years are really where mountain pine can be most supportive. If we look at kidneys function in the body, it's our most deep and ancestral energy. And it acts almost as the roots of our human tree. So again, this really helps us understand how the kidney energy then develops into the internal structure of the physical body. It transforms into marrow and develops into our bones and our articulations. And later in life, when kidney starts to decline or our internal structure is lacking a little bit of strength or we develop inflammation, mountain pine comes in and gives us this sort of added boost of kidney energy that we need to shore up our internal structure again. It activates the metabolism of calcium and phosphorus, as Lauren said, and supports our skeletal system. I recently think about mountain pine that I found so interesting. It said, mountain pine awakens in man the law of movement. And it talked about the joints having this rusty quality to them when mountain pine was offered. And I really like this description because I think that we can relate to the experience of this. I think that many of us have had moments where we feel rusty. And I also love this description because it's a really accurate description of joint inflammation through the Asian medicine lens. If you, we go back, we know that life in Asian medicine is considered a manifestation of chi and that the nature of chi is movement. 
So when anything is impeding our continual natural movement or flow in the body, inflammation sets in. We're then in a situation where the body is more conducive to inflammation. And to understand qi's natural continual nature as movement, let's think about the blood flow in our body. It's this constant process of movement that allows the blood to circulate and therefore to nourish us. And if movement is impeded for any reason, we can see that a problem would arise really quickly. This same principle applies to inflammation of all kinds. So mountain pine helps to resolve an obstruction of chi, but specifically as it relates to our bones and our joints, leading to a reduction in inflammation and pain, and then therefore increased mobility often. I have had adult clients of all ages use mountain pine for so many reasons to address injury repair or arthritis or really inflammation, as Lauren said, of all kinds as it relates to the bones and joints in the body. Wow, fascinating. Thanks, Megan. And I want to um, offer folks a place to go if they would like to learn more about Asian medicine. Megan, where would you send them? Yeah, so you can, uh, there's a great book with the intro to Asian medicine philosophy, the web that has no weaver, or you can visit my website for more information, which is accuvent.com. Great. And Terry, where would they learn more about trees? You know, there's a very recent book by one of my favorite tree authors. Her name is Diana Beresford Kroger, and the title is The Global Forest, 40 Ways Trees Can Save Us. It's amazing. Wow, that's a good reminder, Terry. Thanks for sharing that book. And um, if you're interested in learning more about GMOs themselves, please take a look at my website, laurenhubelay.com, and uh, take browse through my blog and listen to a few more of these wonderful podcasts. Thanks, Megan, and thanks, Terry, for sharing about mountain pine. <laughs>